Today, I'm proud to say that under the UK's presidency, the group of the world's seven most advanced economies, the G7, is launching a set of public policy principles for retail central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Central bank digital currencies could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote that could be used alongside physical notes and coins. Unlike most of the digital money people use daily today, it would be issued directly by a central bank, like the Bank of England in the UK. And governments and central banks across the world are working together, looking into what having a digital currency might mean in practice. There's a lot of uncertainty about, for example, school shutdowns. Uh, to this day, you know, there's still arguments about uh, how many cases that avoided. It's pretty clear because young people uh, don't get sick from the disease very often uh, that we probably, if we knew everything we know today, we would have shut schools down a lot less than we did during this pandemic. I mean, yes, it's tricky for the elder adults, it's tricky uh, in a lot of ways. And you mean by that high school adventure? Exactly. Uh, you know, for college, going virtual tends to work awfully well. The infection levels are a little higher as you get up into that age group. But K through 12, we have a learning deficit that will take us a long time to erase that. And sadly, it's a deficit where the inner city is where it's almost two years, suburban schools less, private schools in some cases, uh, like my kids, almost no deficit at all. It is my duty and responsibility as a consultant cardiologist and public health campaigner to urgently inform doctors, patients, and members of the public that the COVID mRNA vaccine has likely played a significant role or been a primary cause of unexpected cardiac arrests, heart attacks, strokes, cardiac arrhythmias, and heart failure since 2021 until proven otherwise. Are you paying attention? Are you tuned in? How do you make sense of the noise? We're Babel Street. We can help. The world's data to knowledge company. Our mission is to provide knowledge solutions unbound by source and language in one location. We help by turning the world's data into knowledge to enable organizations, governments, and first responders whose success is reliant on the most comprehensive, precise, and rapidly accessible insights available. Babel Street provides organizations with the ability to activate relevant data and act on it faster than ever before. Information customers need to be safe, competitive, and informed. We support your important mission. Federal law enforcement agencies are reportedly paying millions to track the movement of people's cell phones. And according to the technology website Protocol, they're doing it by using a software tool that accesses data from popular cell phone apps, mobile apps. A story that they published yesterday details a U.S. government's contracts with Virginia-based company Babel Street. The company's Locate X app allows law enforcement to track your cell phone's movements, to track your cell phone's movements, to track your cell phone's movements, depending on where you've traveled.
Hey, welcome everybody to nwczradio.com channel one's down the rabbit hole. My name is Big D and I will be your host on this episode. Brandon's taking the week off. That's fair enough. I'll be taking a week off in a couple of weeks. So we're here together today and thanks so much for being part of the show. I want to thank you so much for all your emails. In fact, I'm going to start off with an email here in a moment. But before that, just what is Babel X? We're going to be talking about that today. How does that impact you? What is it? Who's involved? And what are they doing? It's something we all need to know. I want to remind you that you can reach out to us at downtherh at protonmail.com, downtherh at protonmail.com. And of course, I want to thank those who carry our program, which would be fringeradionetwork.com. Check those guys out and nwczradio.com channel one. I got an email and I think we should start with this before we get into today's topics because we're going to be talking about the wolves at the door. There's The wolves are at the door and they are howling. They're working on all kinds of things as we go about our daily lives and we need to know about it and what they're up to. On the midweek podcast, I did an episode about recycling. And I got a great email from Johnny Boy over there at Friends Radio Network. And I thought it was a fascinating email and I want to share it with you because it goes to what we were talking about on that episode. He wrote in and he said before he became a longshoreman, he was in the recycling industry for 37 years. So this is very pertinent. So the last 10 years, he was a resident materials expert and worked with sales and brokerage houses. He said, one thing I did leave out was the low-dense polyeth, which is LDPE, which is the big one. That's clear film. According to him, if you have 100 tons of that, he's got a buyer. He says, you can also find a market for almost any type of plastic as long as it's clean and sorted. He said, that's the problem. Who can afford to sort it? PET bottles, the number one bottles, are they clear? No labels, no cap rings? No problem. He's got a buyer. But other than that, they're trash. He says, I don't know a single buyer these days that will take used PET with Mylar labels and cap rings. It's a dangerous mix. Most plastics are not recyclable, according to him. Not true. If it's clean and sorted or pre-consumer, he can find a market for it. For rare polymers like acrylics and polycarbonates, abs, nylons, and xylon. According to him, a few plastics are cheaper to recycle. He says the resin codes are a good thing. And so you don't have to be a materials expert like him in order to know what you have in your hand. The problem is the public and the packaging market and the producers of whatever goes in the plastic, which is the point that I brought up. He says as soon as you mix two polymers in one package, it's trash. For instance, let's say you have a cottage cheese container. Polypropylene tub, no problem. But if you just glued across the top of it a Mylar-type film, then you've got trash. You might as well put an HDPE lid and slap, slap a non-soluble adhesive label onto the tub because you've already turned it into trash. We are the problem. He says, we nailed it on that one. According to him, he says, yeah, we want our fancy colors and fancy non-soluble labels. We want that stupid cross-link film over the top of our cottage cheese tubs. Why? Because somebody might take the lid off and spit in it. And now we have the pandemic. 
We even want our donuts individually wrapped because what if somebody breathes on it? The pandemic brought a huge explosion to the plastic industry with vinyl gloves and all manner of films to protect us from each other. It's insane. In 1972, half the kids in America ate their cereal out of margin tubs. Who does that anymore? Who even thinks about doing that? He says, you know, we could just use simple, plain, boring packaging and we could actually help the earth a bit. But no, this is the free market. We are the problem. Nice work. And it was a great session. Important, too. And he covered a lot of the things that I covered, but he brought some clarity to it. It is true that a lot of the stuff that we use, it is recyclable. The problem is most of it ends up being trash because it's cross-contaminated. And it costs a lot of money to sort that stuff all out and to clean it all up. So it ends up just being trash. And that was basically the point. And the industry, they know that. I think the biggest, biggest problem is the packaging, how they package everything and how they cross-contaminate all the packaging. And most of it's based on our litigious society and convenience and all these sort of things. But the bottom line is, is that the recycling that we've been taught, that was the whole point of the show, the recycling that we've been taught to put everything just out in the recycle bin is a myth. It actually doesn't work. So some clarity there from Johnny Boy. Love hearing from you guys. Always email us down the RH at protonmail.com. And hey, I'm not the expert on everything. I think I've said that many times. I just go by what my research tells me. And apparently he was in the business for quite some time. And I thought that was a great email. So let's get into the topic of today. And we've got some news stories to clear out here at the end of the show as well. But I really want to dive into this Babel X. Have you heard of this thing? Babel X is a program by the company Babel Street. And if you haven't heard of Babel Street, that's okay. Most people haven't because we don't use it. You and I, for the most part, would never use this in our daily life. It's expensive. It's something that they work on in the shadows. And according to Babel Street, Dot com, their website. This is what Babel X is. We'll get into why this is important. Babel X is an AI, that's artificial intelligence, enabled multilingual knowledge discovery and transformation platform, empowering teams to accelerate the speed of insight unbound by origin or language in real time. Our multilingual geo-enabled text analytics platform is an industry-leading linguistics and text analytics tool in our flagship offering. Babel X enables teams to derive relevant insight by canvassing the world of publicly available and commercially available information across more than 200 languages, then filtering by a wide range of analytical lenses, including geospatial, temporal, link, analysis, public record search, sentiment, and topics of interest. All insights are presented on a single pane of glass for analysis and collaboration across teams. So it's a lot of mumbo jumbo, and I'm going to put this link into the show descriptions, but it shows basically how they do this. There's a three-window graph, and it says a world of multilingual data and it shows all the different languages. The 200 languages that they can 
gather data from in real time at a massive rate of speed. Then they filter it. It's called enrichment and refinement. And it goes down into data spreadsheets called actionable insights. So what's the problem with all of this? Well, one of the problems is who's actually working at and with Babel. According to an article from February 3rd, 2022, this is on Cision PR Newswire. Babel Street adds former naval intelligence officer to board of advisors. Paul Becker joins the AI industry leading company board. Says as former naval intelligence officer, Becker brings a combination of business, defense, cyber, and leadership skills to his role. His military experience with the Department of Defense and Intelligence community includes operations afloat and ashore in peace, crisis, and combat, and it goes on. Talks about what an asset he's going to be coming from the government and coming from the naval intelligence. And then at the bottom, it says, With Babel Street, governments and organizations empower their teams with critical and timely insights on a single pane of glass for immediate analysis, action, and mission success. Babel Street software serves as a force multiplier for customers to uncover threats and opportunities, known and unknown, foreign or domestic, physical or cyber, and make the world a safer, more prosperous place. According to Defense Daily, this is from 2015, Babel Street, SAP, National Security Services, is in partnership for open source intelligence. The analytics firm of Babel Street on January 6th announced a strategic investment in the company by SAP National Security Services that include a joint collaboration on open source intelligence solutions for the national security community. SAP's investment in Babel is through a Series A financing. So you have Babel Street who collects data off of multiple platforms from multiple languages They bring it down in, they filter it all out, and they have hired former intelligence, former military personnel, and then they get into partnership with the National Security Services. Which brings us to what just happened. This is a brand new article. This is from Input Magazine. $27 million, the FBI's total investment in Babel X. The Bureau just signed a $27 million contract to use Babel X, AI-powered software that trolls social media for specific content. It's actually the kind of surveillance software privacy activists are constantly warning the public about. The contract, which includes 5,000 licenses for Babel X, began on March 30th. About $5 million of the FBI's contract will be paid out during the first year of the contract. As part of its hunt for the perfect social media surveillance software, the FBI handed out a list of platforms it hopes to watch in real time. Topping the list of required platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, the dark web, VK, and Telegram. That will cover a significant amount of internet activity and not just from the U.S., It's also very popular. This VK is particularly popular in Europe. 
WAPO says the FBI also listed some platforms it would prefer to monitor, but that weren't strictly necessary, including the likes of Reddit, Discord, Snapchat, TikTok, Weibo, 8Con, Gab, and Parler. The FBI estimates its thousands of licenses will be able to run about 20,000 keyword searches every month. If there's even a semblance of silver lining here, it's that the FBI has only requested that publicly available information be searchable by its licenses. The Bureau says this process won't be intrusive since it's all available on the web anyway. According to liberation.com, Babel Street's new product is watching your network, synthesizing your connections. Babel Street is one significant player in a growing field of data mining and analyst companies. These companies buy, process, and sell data or access to the data for a fee to a corporation and government clients alike. According to publicly available federal contract information, the Secret Service, USSOCOM, State Department, CBP, ICE, Air Force, U.S. Marshals Service, FBI, Transportation Security Administration, and Health and Human Services have sought contracts with Babel Street directly or through various resellers. According to a four-page service definition document on the G Cloud marketplace, it says Babel Synthesis leverages advanced artificial intelligence and machine learning to swiftly understand topics and thought leaders as well as conduct relationship analysis of associated networks and audiences. The software automatically complies and visualizes these relationships, enabling more fulsome analysis. Babel Synthesis is designed to provide proactive and actionable insight when deployed against network or relationship data. Babel Street understands that true insight often depends on knowing who matters, the key influencers with the greatest potential to impact organizations, senior leaders, and world events. And it goes on. I'll put all of this stuff in the show notes. You should read through this because what they're doing with this new contract is they're watching every single thing you put on any kind of social media post. This is another alarming aspect of this. This came out October 27th. Babel Street as defense intel leaders. On October 27th, Reston, Virginia-based Babel Street announced it will be adding three experienced former government leaders, Jack Gumto, Scott Howell, and Patricia Stokes to its board of advisors. The addition of these retired officials will assist Babel Street leadership in developing strategies that will serve customers' current and future needs while meeting critical objectives. Well, who are these people? Scott Howell is a retired lieutenant general of the 15th commander of the Joint Special Operations Command at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Patricia Stokes is a retired senior executive service member. She was the director of the Defense Vetting Directorate, Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency. She worked for the National Background Investigation Bureau. And Jack Gumtow is a former Defense Intelligence Agency Chief Information Officer. He's a retired senior executive of the SES with over 30 years of experience in the DOD and intelligence community. Started his career as a naval in naval intelligence. And it goes on. So what you have here is you have this company, Babel, who has created these programs. And they have several different programs. But Babel X is the one that 
is the main driver. And Babel X, what it does is peruses all the different social media sites. And they say, well, it's all public anyway. And they're just collecting data that's already there. But they do it at such an alarmingly fast rate that 200 languages every day massively deciphering all of these posts and pictures and messages. And then you have the FBI who's investing $27 million. Those are tax dollars. Those are our tax dollars. And they're going to be watching in real time Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, the dark web, VK, and Telegram. So whatever you say on there, whatever you put on there, whatever you comment on there. I also read an article where they were wanting to get into and they're trying to get into Amazon as well to, as we've talked about many, many times, they want to know what you're buying, what you're looking at, what kind of comments you're leaving, and so forth. This is another article regarding Babel Street. Following a powerful 18 months, Babel Street renews contract with Intel 471. Well, who is Intel 471? Well, they're the premier provider of cybercrime intelligence. So all these groups are all working together, lurking in the background. Intel 471 specializes in malware and adversary intelligence, which infiltrates closed sources where threat actors collaborate, communicate, and plan cyber attacks. So a lot of this language is couched. Because if the FBI or Intel 471 or any of the intelligence community believes that you're a threat or believes that you are not on the up and up or believes that you are thinking in the wrong direction, well, they're creating a profile on you. And it's become mass surveillance. Just like the Liberation website says, privatized mass surveillance. It's watching all of the networks and collecting this data. wonder what they're going to use that data for. Do you think we're heading to digital dollar? Do you think we're heading to a social credit system? All of this seems to be pointing in that direction. And Babel X is behind a lot of it. And most of us have never heard of this group. That's why I think it's important to bring these to you so that you can look at them yourself. And you can know that while you're going around on your phone and you're just minding your business, you're doing your thing, you're leaving comments, you're posting, hey, this is the, this, these are my thoughts on this, or I agree with that, or I don't agree with that, however you do social media, they're watching and they're creating a profile. And if you don't believe me, this is an article that came out three days ago. U.S. citizens were tracked via secret COVID decree violation. Tens of millions of U.S. citizens were given a COVID-19 decree violation score as a result of a data harvesting program conducted during the first lockdown by voter analytics firm PredictWise. These COVID-19 decree violation scores were calculated by analyzing nearly two billion global positioning systems. These are GPS pings to get real-time ultra-granular location patterns. 
So people who were, quote, on the go more often than their neighbors were given a high COVID-19 decree uh, violation score, while those who mostly or always stayed at home were given a low COVID violation score. The data collected was then used by PredictWise to help Democrats target over 350,000, quote, COVID-concerned Republicans with campaign ads relating to virus prevention measures. So not only did they collect the data, not only were they giving you a score, based on your cell phone, based on your movements, if they thought you fit a certain pattern or they thought that you were within the target group that they were looking for, then they started bombarding you with ads because they, well, this person must be concerned about COVID. Therefore, I think we can persuade them into go to this way. According to this line, the information was used to help identify 40,000, quote, persuasion targets for Senate candidate Mark Kelly, who was subsequently elected. At one point, a senior government minister in Australia refused to rule out citizens being forced to wear electronic ankle bracelets, even if they were fully vaccinated, to make sure they were complying with home quarantine orders. Well, we don't even need that anymore. We don't need an electronic ankle bracelet because they're watching you on your phone and they're tracking you via GPS. According to this, daily contact with those who asked to self-isolate using GPS tracking to monitor compliance if necessary has happened in Taiwan and Poland. Police in the UK also use surveillance drones to monitor and threaten people who dared to go out into remote countrysides to walk their dogs. And we went through all of that during the COVID scare. But the, tr- the fact is, it's, the truth is coming out now. People were being tracked via their cell phones using GPS pings all over the world. Well, how is this all going to be used? Well, let's look at this article. This is from Reclaim the Net. MasterCard just outlined its digital ID push, where payments meet digital ID. At the Authenticate 2022 event, MasterCard SVP of digital ID, Sarah Clark, detailed the company's digital ID plans. Clark detailed MasterCard's plan for a digital ID network at a presentation on use of FIDO in a reusable digital identity network. The network is aimed at individuals who already have a government-issued ID. MasterCard plans to create a network through which digital IDs can be reused online for in-person interaction through calls and other channels. According to Clark, there are opportunities for digital ID systems because of the poor user experience most people have with traditional ID systems. She also claims that digital ID could combat cyber fraud. The system called ID does not require a password. It uses biometrics. The user owns their own digital ID, making it decentralized. They store it on their smartphone and only show it to a party that has requested it. Uh, The system also uses standards provided by the FIDO Alliance, an organization focused on providing authentication measures that do not rely on passwords. FIDO provides MasterCard with, among other things, more efficient biometric authentication. The company is also looking to develop web wallets and other services to make online transactions easier. Yeah, because we know that MasterCard never gets hacked and the government never gets hacked. They, they never have cybercrime on their side. 
However, they're trying to push this as, well, we're going to go this way because it's going to be safe for everybody. It's always about the safety. It's easier. It's, it's more efficient. And it always seems to be pushing in one direction. So you have Babel X collecting everybody's data, giving it to the FBI, giving it to the DOD, giving it to all these different government agencies who are creating profiles. You have MasterCard who's coming out outlining its digital ID push. And as I played in the intro coming in, you have the new prime minister of England who was with Goldman Sachs Bank before he became prime minister, and he's extremely wealthy. He's all in on the digital push. He's loving it. He can't wait to get the digital dollar out on everybody. Well, how's this going to affect us? Well, according to this article, October 24th, 2022, Pakistan is making disbursement of aid to flood victims contingent on biometric verification. In August, Pakistan was hit by severe flooding that caused extensive damage to large rural areas in the country, and yet, to this day, aid in the shape of government-allocated funds eagerly awaited by many flood victims is delayed and sometimes comes with a curious string attached the completion of a biometric survey. And the Bank of Khyber, a provincial government bank owned by the Khyber province, has the money for flood compensation but is holding out on distributing it, citing the lack of branches in the worst hit areas. But they also need for the victims to go through a biometric verification system. Spokesperson for the Khyber Provincial Disaster Management Authority, his name is Taimur Ali, is on record as saying that, quote, Money has been paid out in the areas where the biometric survey was completed. So if you haven't completed the biometric survey, if you haven't signed up for the biometric verification system, you're not getting your money. goes on to say, where the government and its provincial authorities seem steadfast in waiting for the, quote, biometric verification surveys to be done before the money now sitting in the bank can be distributed to the households. So they're holding on to the money until you comply. So if you need help, if you're in a disaster, they never let a crisis go to waste, as they say. So this is a perfect opportunity for the powers that be in Pakistan to introduce this. People are hurting. They've had a big flood. They need assistance. This is what your taxes go for. This is where the government is supposed to come in and help you but there are now strings attached. According to this article from Technocracy News, the full digitization of everything and then some, it says there is now an entire complex of IT digital corporations controlling your personal data. They work hand in hand with a gigantic financial complex which, control, which is controlled by BlackRock Vanguard State Street. They boast some 25 to $30 trillion worth of assets, and they have majority shareholdings in every means of productions and every service industry in the Western world. The IT complex offers you, quote, Facebook, connecting you with the entire world or with any number of, it, of admirers you choose. It's a means to show them who you are, often with the most intimate details if you provide it, photos, personal stories, and so forth. The IT complex loves it. The algorithm 
built your profile from which you won't be able to escape. Even if you decide to quit Facebook, you are registered for good. You are their property. Your data will be stored and it will be used against you. It says Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, WhatsApp, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and whatever they're called, follow the same principle. Once you are on their platforms, everything you put on there is owned by them. And it's true. I got off Facebook a long time ago, and it was really the only social media I was on. When you go to leave Facebook and you ask them to delete your photos or to delete any of your information, they tell you no because it is theirs. It's theirs for good. And eventually it is going to end up in a situation where we are all hooked up. According to this article, federal research on manipulating brain should worry all of us. Last week, the National Institute of Health launched its Brain 2.0 initiative. Brain research through advancing innovative neurotechnology ramping up an existing program started eight years ago. Comparable to the Human Genome Project in scope and scale, Brain 2.0 grants $600 million to fully map our 86 billion neurons and their uncounted connections. The project is expected to reach a grand total cost of $5 billion by 2026. In theory, once scientists have created this detailed brain atlas, they can directly alter neurofunction using digital devices. The director of the Brain Initiative, John Nagai, exhibits a troubling fixation on this method. In a recent interview, he noted two concrete results of his current neuromapping efforts. One is an advanced brain-computer interface that they implanted last year at the University of California, San Francisco, that allows for outstanding thought-to-text communication. The other is a major breakthrough in deep brain simulation at Baylor University, where electrodes are implanted to alter mood and behavior, relieving depression and obsessive-compulsive disorder. I wonder what else it can do. What other things can they alter? And I'll put this article in the show notes. So you can see where this is all going. They want to hook us all up to the great cloud, the great internet cloud, that we're all operating in real time. And then you have groups like Babel Street with their program Babel X, who want to collect data at an alarmingly fast rate, decipher it over 200 languages, shop it off to the government. And I know I'm talking about the United States here primarily, but this is coming your way if it's not already in your country as well. And they're going to shop it off to them. They're going to create profiles on you. You have MasterCard who's setting up their digital ID, and that is all about money. So in order to access credit, access money, you're going to have to have the digital ID. The digital ID is hooked up to your biometrics, and you see what's happening in Pakistan. If you're not on board, you're not going to get aid. You're going to be shut off. This whole thing operates in a continuous circle, and it's all moving in the same direction. And that is basically, we will be under the thumb of the big government, the one world system, they're all working in unison. 
So I encourage you to really look into this Babel X. If you can get off social media, if you can manipulate your phone to shut off your geo-tracking, to get off the GPS, all of that stuff, I highly, highly recommend it. All right, let's get into some news stories of the day that I've had sitting here for a while. I want to clear these out. <laughs> this is from the UK. A major supermarket chain in the UK is finalizing plans to stock insects on its shelves and market them as a cheap food source for people struggling to afford to feed their families amid soaring inflation and the cost of living crisis. The Daily Mail reports that Aldi is considering stocking edible bugs and providing recipe kits for parents to prepare worms and crickets for their hungry children. The potential products in the range include sustainable cricket burgers as well as nuggets and mints. According to Aaron Thomas, we're on a mission to change perceptions of insects as food. They're one of the most sustainable proteins in the world. So when you go to the grocery store, and on the end of the aisle, you start seeing crickets and all kind of insects and recipes. Don't be surprised. That's what's coming. This is the, I believe it's called Aldi. It's A-L-D-I, Aldi or Aldi, food market chain. And that is what they are up to. I thought this was an interesting article. During COVID, we talked about the propaganda that was very, very strong and how all of the messaging was in one direction coming from all the usual people, influencers, late night talk show hosts, and so forth. Well, according to the Daily Wire, Biden administration aggressively pursued celebrities' late night shows to push pro-vaccine agenda. And according to The Federalist, the Biden administration wrote Saturday Night Live's COVID comedy skit says the U.S. government waged psychological warfare against the American people, but at least we now know why Saturday Night Live jokes are so bad. It turns out the Federal Election Commission's rules on disclosing advertising of political ads don't apply to partisan entities. According to Judicial Watch, the Department of Health and Human Services and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention enlisted and paid screenwriters, production companies, comedians, TikTok influencers, Joe Rogan guests, and church leaders to promote its COVID shot propaganda to the public. Yet nowhere have we seen, quote, paid for by the HHS and the CDC on the sponsored ads. The Biden administration made a plan to recruit, quote, all media companies and show producers, including Saturday Night Live, to propagandize the vaccine. On October 2021, rapper and filmmaker Ice Cube walked away from over $9 million after producers of the upcoming film Oh Hell No demanded he get the COVID jab. Saturday Night Live did a sketch featuring a cast member, Kenan Thompson, as an ignorant and socially unaware Ice Cube. And at the end, Thompson's character said he isn't getting the jab because he's, quote, scared of needles. Show did the same thing to Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, and it goes on. And the rest they did, they tried to make the jab look cool. They mocked those who didn't want to get the jab as being out of touch, dumb, and so forth. This was all done by the White House and by Joe Biden's administration and probably in your country too. Also, according to Judicial Watch, 
Judicial Watch obtained the records in response to a February 2022 Freedom of Information Act lawsuit against the Department of Health and Human Services. On September 13, 2021, Gruber and Kraus were among a group of resigning doctors who agreed that, quote, available evidence doesn't yet indicate we need a COVID-19 vaccine booster shot among the general population. And according to these emails that were flying back and forth, and I will put this in the show note, there are all these emails flying back and forth between these doctors in the HHS who were against the shot, against the vaccines, against boosters. And there was a lot of disagreement going on between them, but the HHS was putting pressure on everybody. Quote, the FDA records further document top officials concerned about the controversial COVID-19 booster shots that has taken months and a federal lawsuit to uncover this critical material, and it's a scandal. You need to go through this article. It's pretty amazing. All the pressure that was put on the government and on doctors and on everybody when there was no consensus, and we were all told that this is the science. Well, actually wasn't. And if you haven't seen this yet, you definitely need, or if you haven't heard this, you definitely need to hear this. And I'll put it in the show notes because it is a video. But this is amazing coming out of Europe. This was a Pfizer executive who was under oath and admits that getting vaccinated for others was always a lie. Check this out. If you don't get vaccinated, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch Prime Minister and Health Minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. This removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport. The COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this to be shocking, even criminal. Please watch the video until the end. Voor u, mevrouw Smal, heb ik de volgende vraag waar ik een duidelijk antwoord op wil. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanisation before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. This is scandalous. Millions of people worldwide felt forced to get vaccinated because of the myth that you do it for others. Now this turned out to be a cheap lie. This should be exposed. Please share this video. And what is the speed of science? I was have been told that science is a rigorous process. It takes time. You have to test out your theory. You have to collect data. 
It's a long process. What is the speed of science? I think that's something new that's come about, this speed of science. And another thing in there that was particularly interesting is that they had to get it out at the speed of science because of the market, the marketplace. What marketplace? I did not know that science and the marketplace were one and the same, that one relied on the other. The whole thing is scandalous. And I'm going to put that video in the show notes. You need to watch it, share it. It is scandalous. How many people were told over and over and over again that getting the shot was going to save you and save everybody else? And they rushed it out. They didn't do any of the testing on it that they should have. They didn't even know if it was going to work. And now they're having to come out and admit it. It is truly a scandal. And to end on a good note, and I think we need more of this coming out, Alberta Premier Daniel Smith apologizes for vaccine passports. She says, quote, we are not QR codes. According to this article, quote, she says, we are human beings. We are not QR codes. And that she wants to purge the QR database. She says, quote, I believe that Alberta Health Services is the source of a lot of the problems that we've had. Quote, they signed some kind of partnership with the World Economic Forum right in the middle of the pandemic. We've got to address that. Why in the world do we have anything to do with the World Economic Forum? That's got to end. Smith said, These, the things that come to top of mind for me are people who got arrested as pastors and people given fines for not wearing masks. Quote, these are not things that are normal to get fines and get prosecuted for. I'm going to look into the range of outstanding fines and get some legal advice on which ones we're able to cancel and provide amnesty for. She said the amendment would focus on COVID vaccines because the issue is not medical, it's political. Quote, since it was a very specific reaction to a very specific vaccine mandate, we're going to be very precise when we write the legislation. Quote, we have to get back to an attitude of you take a vaccine to protect yourself. But we have to get away from this attitude that you demonize those who make a different choice. And good for her. She's the premier of Alberta, Canada, Danielle Smith. We need to support people like that. We need more people to come forward like that. Because what we went through and where we're headed, it needs to be stopped. And we're the ones who are going to stop it. We can't participate in what they have coming and what they're setting up and what they're trying to drive us all towards. She says, the system, my friends, is broken and I couldn't agree more. But it's on us. It's up to us to not participate, to not be part of it, and to not go down the road that they want us to go. We need to be self-sufficient. We need to be independent and not reliant on them. And a very good book that I think addresses a lot of these situations and a lot of how we can get out of it is a book by Michael Rechtenwald. It's R-E-C-T-E-N-W-A-L-D. Michael Rechtenwald. It's called Google Archipelago, The Digital Gulag and the Simulation of Freedom. You can get it on Amazon for $11.59 or go straight to his website, Michael Rechtenwald. 
And it's a great book. It's about how Google came to be, about their digital exploitations, how much they own, who they're in cahoots with. What we see as a simple search tool is way, way more than that. And that the big digital technologies and their principles represented are not only extreme economic powerhouses, but in a lot of ways, they're forms of governmental power. They're kind of governments themselves. They're governing the internet. They're governing how you receive information, how you send information, what you can look up, what you can't, what you can see, and what you can't. It's called Google Archipelago, or Archipelago, however you want to say that. The Digital Gulag and the Simulation of Freedom by Michael Rechtenwald. Highly, highly recommend it. All right, everybody. Brandon has the midweek show, and he and I will be back together next week. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. And again, go through the show notes. Read through a lot of these articles. I think you'll find them fascinating and interesting. I always enjoy our time together. Email me at downtherh at protonmail.com. Thanks so much. I'm Big D, and I'm out of here.